In the Park Festival is back in Newcastle, and you could be there watching headliner Rag and Bone Man. We have two pairs of tickets to give away to see Rag and Bone Man on Sunday the 5th of May. He'll be joined by Newcastle-born singer-songwriter and brother to Sam, the hugely talented Liam Fender. To be in with a chance of winning two tickets, just answer the following question. What is the real first name of Rag and Bone Man? Is it Reginald, Rory or Colin? To enter, download the free Durham On Air app for your smartphone or tablet, click on Win, and you could be in Newcastle watching Rag and Bone Man on the 5th of May. Entries close at 11pm on May the 2nd. For full terms and conditions, visit durhamonair.com. In the Loop, a podcast from the heart of Durham. This is In the Loop, the Durham podcast. I'm Emma Hignett and welcome to the first ever episode of In the Loop. We are this time getting inspired by some of our independence, by artists, by students and by food. First of all, a big thank you to City of Durham Parish Council for supporting this podcast, which is created in association with Totally Locally Durham, the movement which champions the independence that make Durham City different from any other city. In the City Loop today, we're getting just a little bit of an insight into this year's Lumiere Festival. In the Independent Loop, we will get to know the independent of independence in Durham. Uh, hopefully one that you'll, if you've not already stepped inside, that will get you stepping inside uh, and saying hello to the team behind this particular independent. In the Student Loop, there's a preview of a charitable collection coming up uh, on Saturday the 9th of October. So if you're listening to this after Saturday the 9th of October, you need to uh, look at the show notes to find out how you can make a difference in relation to that. And we'll also finish off with fab news for lovers of street food in Alice Explores. Before we get started, as this is a new podcast, we would love to know what you think and what you'd like to hear about. You can email admin at totallylocallydurham.co.uk with any ideas or if you indeed want to feature on a future podcast. And please help us to spread the word. Tell people about In The Loop, share it with your friends, um, give us a like and also subscribe so you don't miss the future podcasts. Right, let's kick off with the City Loop. The Lumiere Festival is back in Durham from the 18th to the 21st of November. The City Loop. So I'm joined by Kate Harvey um, for the podcast. Kate, you are a senior producer, is that right, for Artichoke? Yes, that's correct. I've worked on uh, all of the Lumiere Festivals since 2009. How exciting. It's quite, um, it's certainly quite a challenge. So I sit between the um, the technical logistical side of things and the artists um, and obviously all of the um, uh, business as usual for 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 Durham and, um, and its businesses and residents. So yeah, there's quite a lot of um, plates to keep spinning. And I mean, from my point of view, it's quite exciting that it is coming back this year because of the year we've had. We're, we're, I mean, we're really delighted um, that uh, we're going to be back in, in 2021. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's been an extraordinary um, year for everybody. And to be able to create um, a really exciting festival in public space, to be able to bring um, uh, local, regional, national and international people back together um, in the city centre of Durham is, is something which is uh, which is really exciting. And, and we're 
really delighted by the response we've had from um, from all of the uh, businesses, uh, stakeholders, people that we're we're working with, as well as the artists who um, you know who of course are just you know really excited to to be able to create new work and and bring it to live audiences. Yeah, I think I think the arts has been particularly hard hit by lockdown across the board. Yeah, it's been really hard and very um, uh, obviously, you know, kind of unpredictable for, for every uh, walk of life. But when your work depends on placing it in front of live audiences and those audiences are not able um, to either leave their homes or to go into a, a gallery or a theatre, then, yeah, it's been very, very difficult and very very hard as well for the ancillary um, uh, contractors who provide all the services um, and, and all of the, the, the technical equipment, because clearly, you know, they've had a, a very, very quiet uh, 18 months. Tell me, is there, so Lumiere this year in Durham, is there an overarching theme to, to the event? No, I mean, our, our, our theme is always artists who work through the medium of, of light and light encompasses projection, um, sometimes fire, um, reflection. Um, so our, our theme is always um, light uh, and we, we never impose another theme on artists outside of that. Obviously this year, um, artists, you know, will be influenced by um, things that have happened over the last 18 months. Um, and I think there's a lot of reflection about our our, our place in the universe that, that kind of comes about from any kind of um, uh, large scale event like a pandemic. So, uh, you know, I think that inevitably events influence, but we, we haven't imposed any kind of a theme. So obviously it's all sort of under wraps until I think it's the 12th of October. But yeah. apart from the fact that we know that three university sites are involved and the physics building has um, a, an installation called Kronos, the, the sort of about time, the history of time. Do you find that the buildings inspire the artists? Because that, you know, those two do seem to link that the city inspires the artists or is it just you sort of put them together because you kind of go, oh, that would go really well there. It's a bit of all of those things, actually. So um, so we obviously know the city um, very well. Every time we, 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 we plan the festival for Durham, we, we look to explore new spaces or to provide I suppose different points of view on spaces that are that are familiar um one of the challenges about programming in Durham is Durham is to, is a quite a fast changing landscape at present so obviously there are lots of buildings that have existed for many centuries um but there are also you know vast areas of Durham that are undergoing a lot of change so that you know provides um uh, excitement interest as as well as challenge because you go uh, back to Durham having been away for a few months um, and the views are slightly different or um, certainly you know that the kind of aspects are different. In terms of how we work with artists um, in a normal year we invite artists to come quite early on in the process for site visits so that they can see the buildings where we think or the spaces that we think they might like to work in. Um, and sometimes that is, um, you know, very clear that the artist, uh, um, you know, loves the space or the building that we're suggesting and they're very inspired by uh, creating work for it. Sometimes, you know, they will surprise you and say, no, actually, I'd much rather be in this dark corner, you know, somewhere else. So that's a process of, of um, sort of feasibility and, and development of ideas. 
I think um, in relation to this year, that process has obviously had to be very different. So it's been a lot more um, to do with giving them information and um, virtual access to sites and spaces. Um, and so I suppose our, our kind of sense of, uh, of the city in terms of how we've been presenting that to the artists has been much more information that we've given them and um, uh, Google Maps and you know all of the kind of wonders of modern technology uh, for them to be able to explore the streets virtually. So that's been a particular difference this year. Um, I think in terms of how we select artists and, and, and whose work goes where, we always look for artists that we think have something to say or who we think um, their work will be able to illuminate or to kind of draw attention to a space or a place in a different way. So that relationship between space and artwork is not just about what fits, but it's also about how the artist's vision might um, interpret or, or give a different uh, feeling and, and aspect to a familiar space. I know in previous years, it's not just been light. There's been, say, sound involved and there's been performance elements as well. And my son has been, my 12-year-old's been involved in a creative writing project. And I'll be honest with you, we have no idea where it's going. We think it's being recorded next week. We think they're recording next week. And then it's being added to an installation somewhere. So there must be a lot of people maybe around County Durham who are similarly involved with a degree of mystery. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really, it's really. The, the, so the process is 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 really kind of hard because you're effectively inviting the county um, in to participate and to be inspired and to inspire the artwork. So that's a really important um, part of the process for us. And over the previous ten years of the festival, I think we've worked with over ten thousand um, participants in in the creation of the of the festival. So, um, so it's it's always a really important strand to our work. Equally, you want to keep the secret. So you're you're trying not to say, okay, this is the Christmas present, and then we'll wrap it up and 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 you know open it on uh, on the first day of the festival. It's it's that sort of um, trying to get people inspired and excited, but equally trying to keep a, a secret across um, across the county, which is which is quite a challenge. A challenge, but we'll be there. We will be there, obviously, to see where it can go. So more details about this year's Lumiere Festival will be published on the 12th of October. Obviously, if you're listening after the 12th of October, you just put in Lumiere Durham 2021 in the search bar and off you go. They will be releasing more information on that date and I think ticket release, not sales because they're free, ticket release will be a little bit later. Time now for the Independent Loop. I caught up with the team behind Elverton Bailey in Prince Bishops, uh, who I thought were just... I think probably the nicest people you will possibly meet. Um, full of ideas, well worth finding out more about them. If you haven't been into the shop, then hopefully this will persuade you that you the should. The Independent Loop. So we're talking today to the team behind Elvet and Bailey, which is in Prince Bishop's Place. I've got Mark Taylor and Gemma Nixon with me. Hello to both of you. Hello. Hello. Don't be nervous. OK. <laughs> First of all, I guess you have to ask, how does it work? What is Elvert and Bailey? Yeah, what is Elvert and Bailey? Um, Elvert and Bailey is a, a collective of what we consider to be the, the best 
artists, artisans, crafters and makers in County Durham. Um, it's a predominantly a retail shop on Prince Bishop's High Street, next to Costa, if you can believe that, um, with a selection of, I think we're over 60 suppliers, um, all based in County Durham, all handmade items and all um, very small scale. So it's sort of like the independent of independence. Yeah, independent through and through. Let's let's start beginning. Where did the name come from? Well, that's, that's a good one. That <laughs> it's was a bit of a funny story, really. We were talking about a name, and I actually said to my mum, "If you were going to open a shop in Durham, what would you call it?" And we wanted something that meant something to the people in Durham, mm-hmm. but then wasn't overly religious sounding or too linked to the university or the cathedral or anything like that. So friendly and approachable for 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 local people and for tourists alike. And she said, "Oh, I'd call it Elvin Bailey." Yeah. And that stuck. Yeah. Like she's had that in her head all her life. Yeah. Like if I'm going to open a shop called Elvin and Bailey. Yeah. But it didn't sound too much like a pub. It didn't <laughs> sound too much like anything else. It just sounded friendly and approachable. Like it could be something nice. And where did you all meet? Because there's, there's three people behind Elvin and Bailey. There's you two, Mark and Gemma, and there's Anna, who we've left running the shop. Yes. Yeah. That, that's the thing. <laughs> being... The important bit, somebody has yeah. to stay running the yeah. shop. That, that's it. You know, you open a shop, you open, open seven days a week with three people. Um, yeah. Someone's always working. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Anna is um, a, a business partner. She's also my life partner. We're engaged. We're getting married next year. Congratulations. Um, so, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I feel like I've fished for that now. <laughs> um, but yeah, essentially it, it's the three of us that run the shop. Um on the shoulders of, as I say, the 60-odd suppliers that we've got, um, you asked where it came from. Um, fr- from my point of view, although the shop is Elvett and Bailey, and I'm, I'm very much a part of that, prior to that it was it was Tiny Acorn, which I still run and, and make gift items with Anna under the name of Tiny Acorn. Um, that started nearly five years ago, I think. Um, and I'd been doing various markets, craft fairs, um, you know, all, all the all the things that you do when you when you start up. And it always been an ambition to have a presence on a high street in a shop. You know, I'm I'm forty now. I don't want to be outside in the cold for the rest of my life. <laughs> I was very much aware that um, I wouldn't be able to do it on my own. So a strength in numbers approach ensued. Um, got to give um, some kind of credit or thanks to Matthew Booth over at what is now Discovering Durham. Um, prior to that, he was a local love and he gave me a kind of a foot in the ladder, foot on the ladder, and more importantly, a, an eye-opening experience to see what the, the possibilities were. So you first went in with, what was it, coasters and, and, and chopping boards? <laughs> yes, yes. In I, what was I, primarily a food, a local food shop? Yeah, I mean, a, a local love popped up and um, I'd been in a few retail outlets as Tiny Acorn prior to this, so I, I, I broached them and I was promptly told that um, it was only food or drink and I replied with, um, well, I make courses and chopping boards, which was true. It wasn't a lie, um, but it was, you know, a, a bit cheeky. And uh, I managed to talk them around to giving us a go. And essentially the, the relationship grew to the point where Matthew very kindly offered me the, the upstairs space above a local love to run as a, a gift shop. Um, and I think the intention was to do it as Tiny Acorn, but I, I kind of felt that, well, it, I love what I do. I'm very proud of what I do, but I predominantly work in wood. And if someone walks into a shop full of wood and they don't like wood, yeah. <laughs> they're not walking out. Them. Exactly. So 
and spent five years doing the, the craft fairs, the markets and whatnot, I knew a lot of very, very talented people. And to my mind, I kind of just cherry-picked the best ones and asked if they wanted to get involved. Um, I mean, that's how Gemma and I met. That's how people like Rian Shan I met. Um, you know, I, I could list everyone in the shop now, really. Um, so now you're here in Elverton Bailey. We're upstairs recording this, whereas most people will only see downstairs. But actually, you've got, you know, half as much space again upstairs. And you, you're more than a shop, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm chuffed that you're, you're picking up on that because we certainly feel so. It, it's, we are a, a community interest company. That's yeah. the, the business behind the shop. And we are very, very keen and, I believe, very active in, in pushing that. But you're right, it, it's, it's a space upstairs that, if we're going to be pretentious or arrogant-sounding, we've kind it's of tried to feel gallery. like an art gallery. Yeah. It is it's, like an art It is an art gallery. gallery. It is. Thank you. It, it's got that feel to it, certainly. And we, and we keep it sparse in the centre of the shop because this is where we run our workshops, our craft sessions, our classes, our meet-the-maker events. It's a very versatile space. Um, if you come on, on a, a Thursday afternoon and nothing's happening up here, it looks like an art gallery. If you come in one day where we've got a craft session on, we've got all the tables set up. We've got, you know, maybe 10 people in here making, well, Christmas wreaths and Christmas cards is what we're, you know, currently focusing on. Um, but, we, you know, we've got people like Sarah Hill in here, one, you know, very well-known and well-respected local artist. She comes in here and runs watercolour painting sessions with people fabulous we've got um i mean talk about you know local independent institutions we've got sue from the craft you know mm-hmm. she comes in here on a monthly basis and she I, I think the first one she did a one day event was it Gemma? yes one day um and had to quickly add it to two because the demand was just yeah. so so much she's in it this at the end of this month she's doing her christmas card marathon which is going to be a six hour Christmas card making session the idea being essentially you pay your money turn up she brings all the equipment all the materials you need to make as many cards as you possibly can in those six hours and it's sort of like marks get set go how many can you yeah. well, I, I don't think there's a competitive <laughs> element to it though. sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. marathon you know yeah, yeah. perhaps um and yeah, you know, we've got um, we've got a florist who comes in every Saturday. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that you have fresh flowers every Saturday. Oh, I was going to say thank you. It's not not, not to do with me. <laughs> it's Lisa, a lady called Lisa. She's phenomenal. Um, there, there were some things in setting up the shop that were really important to me personally um, because I, I, I always wanted a florist. I always wanted chocolates in here. Mm-hmm. And they're the two things that outside of what I do and, and what I knew from the, the craft fairs that really important. And so we, I, I think I, I made a comment on something, I think it may have been Facebook or the website or something, where we scoured the county for the best chocolates in County Durham. I mean, that's true. Which are they? They are the Pink Plum Tree Truffles. Um, it's a lady called Linda and she's phenomenal. Like, essentially, not to get too personal, but um, I lost my mum and she would have loved this place. Like, she would have been the biggest champion, probably the biggest spender, um, you know. <laughs> and um, there's various things that I can never show her, but things like she, she did um, dry flower arranging herself and things like that. So flowers and chocolates she, she loved both and yeah um when i say things like that when i say it was important to us it, re- it really really was so we you know we haven't got lisa downstairs because she sent an email and asked if she could put flowers in the shop you know we, we were quite selective on things like that um but i think thing and i hope i'm not coming through across as too earnest or 
<laughs> or, or, or soft or anything, but like it, it's passion. It, it, well, it, it is passion. It, it, like these things do matter. Like they really do. There's, there's, I'm a massive believer in you can do. It's a hundred other things that we could do right now, but we've chosen to do this. So let's give it a whole best right. shot and do it. How long have you been can. here? In this unit, yeah, in Prince um, Bishops, Albert and Bailey. So, <laughs> because we've had lockdowns in the middle we, of it, so you've probably yeah. been open and closed. And exactly, we we very cleverly planned to open a shop in April of last year. Well, well done. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't our fault. It wasn't our fault. Um, so yeah, we got a bit of a trial run prior to Christmas. Um, it was a, I'm not going to say halfway house because it was definitely more effort went into it than that but given the circumstances we didn't know what was going to happen the next day you know you could, yeah you so could, that was that just december it wasn't it was it was october november december we but, but we november. were closed for november yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I believe if, if memory serves correctly we opened on the 26th of september right and it was like doing the hokey cokey wasn't it you yeah know, for, for everyone and hey i'm so great we're still here we're still smiling and, and you know it, it's phenomenal but um we, we even in that time, given the circumstances that we had where people weren't leaving the houses and whatnot and things, no matter what anyone tells you, it was not normal. Mm. It, it wasn't, you know, confidence was not there. But we still saw the opportunity. So in the latest lockdown, we, we made sure that when we came and opened in April, it was all guns blazing. That's yeah. not the... Ready to go. Yeah, ready. Yeah, ready yeah. to go, yeah. So you've had a bit of help along the way. I mean, it's obviously you you three driving it, but Prince Bishop's place yeah, yeah. are very much behind bringing in something different from your traditional high street shop. 100%. Like We, we wouldn't be here, certainly not looking in as good as the shop does if it wasn't for Prince Bishop's. They've Richard Toynbee, the, the centre manager, um, sat me down when he caught wind of us sneaking in, you know, through through the back door entrance for the the way I got into a local love. I don't mean that literally. Um, <laughs> and he kind of, I think he, we, we talk, this is such a cliche, we talk the same language. Um, we, we, we had a lot of things in common of, of what, the way that we, we are, I don't know. But he, he had a vision to change Prince Bishop's shopping centre to be Prince Bishop's place which obviously that that's happened and it become more than just a shopping place. He wants it to be a leisure facility. He wants people to have experiences here. And one of the first things I'd said to him is, um, I think I'd reference Beamish Open Air Museum. You go in that sweet shop. Yeah. You know what's coming. Yeah. You go into that back entrance there yeah. making the cinder toffee. Yeah. That's what I wanted. And yeah, he 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 kind of I mean, he used the terms himself, so I hope he doesn't mind me repeating this, but essentially we became kind of the poster people for the... We got a very good opportunity, basically. I think, you know, the timelines aligned. We wanted to open a shop at a time when he was looking for some new direction or something, and they helped us out massively, the the shop refurb, um, knowing the people to do the work. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we painted the walls. We, we did various things. Obviously, there's things we just couldn't do, Um they did it for us, and more importantly, they 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 funded that aspect of it, which you know was so grateful. For. It's a massive help for a new business starting out to to have it looking so professional. Yeah. To it, it just instills confidence in in customers straight off where you come in and it looks like a proper proper shop. And then you got support from the Indy Durham City team as well. Yes, yeah, Graham at Indy uh, Durham City has been an absolute. Like one of our biggest champions, Champion, really. I don't. Yeah. I don't think we can put something out on social media without him picking yeah. it up and, and <laughs> spreading the word. 
we've got similar um, similar outlooks and similar aims of, of what we would like Durham to be. Not that I've got a plan for Durham, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the experience people get when they come into the city yeah. and the offer and the yeah. choice and the, the fact that Durham is fundamentally, before you go anywhere, it's different from any city centre. Yeah. yeah. But then... So we should look different from other city centres. It shouldn't all be your standard high street. It's lovely that the Prince Bishop's team want independence here. They want to give people the opportunities that you wouldn't necessarily get on any high street because obviously there's rents, there's rates, there's bills, and they're out of reach for a lot of people. Now, we've talked about the fact that you're here in Prince Bishop's, um, and I, I love the Umbrella Street, but obviously towards the second half of Umbrella Street, there was a change, and there's been an addition, and you've played a big part in that. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks. Yeah, it, it's... Um... Again, it was Richard, the, the centre manager. He's had the, you know, the, the Umbrella Street has been a feature of Prince Bishop's for two or three years. It has very much become a feature, a bit of an attraction. He wanted to do something with that to raise some money for a charity. And, um, yeah, we, we, that's where we come in. He kind of, kind of had a conversation. He already had the idea of um, doing this. He wanted some sort of tag on it. You say umbrella to me, my head goes, OK, raindrops and, and rainbows. We came up with the idea of having a personalised raindrop that could be affixed to the umbrella. It could be done in memorial, in memory of someone. It could be a celebration. It could be anything. Um, we put a personalised message on that and we were sending people away with a little rainbow tag, the idea being that hopefully it provides a bit of hope and, and you know, a bit of a celebration. So they got a tag to take home as well as yes. exactly, the one that yeah. went on the, the yeah. umbrella. So we've made nearly 400 tags that people have put um, personalised messages on. It sold out really quickly, didn't it? it I mean, it sold out. I mean, the, the fact that that happened is phenomenal. It, it's I think the original... Hope was that we'd be able to raise um, £1,500 and we raised over three, um, which is phenomenal. And that's all down to people, you know, supporting the idea. We asked for a minimum donation of £5 and there were people, I'm not just talking a few, there were a number of people walking in and putting down £20. Um, I think, you know, the charity it's going to, the, the Soul and Connor Fawcett Family Cancer Trust, it's again, it's a local charity. It's it's actually established in my hometown of Spennymoor and... The link, I mean, the link is, I, I know the guy who set it up from school, but he helped my family through things, a massive source of support when my mum was undergoing her um, cancer treatment and what have you. So it was, it's nice to be able to do those things. I know that sounds like a cliche, but it, 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 it does. And the fact that we're saying, yes, we, we sold out and we doubled the, any expectations, it's just phenomenal. So it, it, it's, it's those sort of things that I like doing, that I like that, you know, you said in your opening gambit were more than a shop. I think it's those sort of things that make us more than a shop. And it's, it's genuine. It's not like a, a PR team sat around thinking, how can we... Raise um, our profile. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's nice to get involved in these sort of things for, for nice reasons and, and just smash it. I think working <laughs> with a charity as well, when we do the workshops and classes, we keep a proportion of our ticket money back and then we're going to be using that to run free classes and workshops for charities, children groups. So obviously keeping in touch with Mark Soland, get some of their people in to, to have nice activities that don't revolve around hospitals. They can come and they can do things here. We can get the local scout groups in. We can do stuff with lots of different local people, and that's funded by other people in the community having a good time. Mm -hmm. So we're really looking forward to, to being able to push those ideas. Forward. 
Thank you for listening to In The Loop, the Durham podcast with me, Emma Hignett. Uh, Still to come, big news for lovers of street food and Durham University students aiming to make a genuine difference for the Afghan refugees with a little bit of help from you and me, to be honest. Um, We'd like to say thank you to City of Durham Parish Council for making this podcast possible. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please can you tell your friends all about it? Spread the word and encourage more people to listen in. Please give us a like and also please subscribe. However, wherever you get your podcasts, please subscribe and make sure you don't miss the next one. If you do have any ideas or if you think you should be featured in In The Loop, then drop us an email to admin at totallylocallydurham.co.uk. Right, now it's time for The Student Loop. And I caught up with two Durham University students who are calling for help for their clothes drop, which takes place in Durham Marketplace on this coming Saturday, Saturday the 9th of October. If you're listening after Saturday the 9th of October, then there's details in the show notes about how you could make a difference. Get in touch with them and help. The Student Loop. I'm joined by Emily Bond-Rodriguez. That's yes. right, isn't it? That's okay, right. and Sophie Eisen, who are both Durham University yeah. students um, and a part of Durham Women for Women International. So, Sophie, do you want to tell me about uh, your organisation? Yeah, of course. Um, so, we are the Durham branch of Women for Women International, um, which is a tar- charity that provides women survivors of war, um, civil strife, and sort of other conflicts um, with tools and resources to move from sort of a situation where they're experiencing crisis and poverty to then kind of um, a position where they can be stable and be self-sufficient um, in turn kind of promoting viable civil societies. Um, so the charity was founded in 1993, I think, um, by a 23-year-old lady called Zainab um, Salbi. And she met loads of women who'd been um, raped and kind of witnessed their families die or their homes destroyed um, during the Bosnian War. Um, so she set up a support network um, to kind of provide these women um, with support from women um, like in our position, you know, really fortunate positions um, in turn, kind of enabling them to have sort of um, a sponsor sister around the world. Um, so to this day, the charity is kind of still built on the same premise of sisterhood. So basically um, from that, they learn the skills they need to um, rebuild their families and communities. Um, So they kind of learn how to make an income, you know, save, gain knowledge, um, which in turn they can use to care for their families um, and defend for their rights, basically. Um, So it's a really amazing charity um, and a lot of different universities have branches for it. And we thought um, it it would fit well into the Durham student community. So, yeah. So is it is it newly set up at, at Durham University? So it um, existed a few years ago, but I think it got dissolved due to the pandemic. So we are having to like reset it up basically, which is a bit of a pain, Um, but it's good because obviously there is already quite a a big awareness of it um, within students and the SU knows kind of um, what it does and stuff. So So Emily, what do the university students intend to do? So our main aim and intentions is obviously to raise money and awareness for the Women Women's International Charity. And we want to do this not only by reaching all student bodies, but also the local community as well. We want to make a tangible impact locally and obviously internationally too. And we feel as individuals in a privileged position, it's we have a sense of responsibility to do our utmost to help like less fortunate people than ourselves. 
So that's our main like aim and thesis, I guess, for the um, society. So you're starting this weekend. You will be at Durham Markets, I believe. Is that right? Saturday, nine till four, a closed drop for refugees. So that's our first event that we're holding. And so uh, will one of you tell me exactly what you're looking for on Saturday? Um, Yeah, so... Obviously, we're not um, ratified as a society at the moment, so we can't actually fundraise for Women for Women. Um, And obviously, everything that's going on in Afghanistan, um, we want to make sure that we're, you know, making people in the Durham community aware of what's going on and make sure that, you know, we're doing what we can to help these people. So um, we're trying to collect clothes for the charity Care for Calais, um, and they basically support um, refugees in various different areas in Europe that are affected by the migrant crisis. Um, So let me just find um, my list of bits that we need. Um, So the most needed items are coats um, for men, women and children, um, trousers, trainers, backpacks, hoodies, t-shirts, and then all new underwear. Um, Obviously we don't want that secondhand. Um, But obviously um, we also, there's also a few other things we're asking for, so mobile phones, um, oyster cards, nappies, prams, um, various bits for babies and children, um, just kind of whatever people have, um, you know, hanging around in their room that they just don't don't want. And I think it offers something a little bit different um, to taking it to just a charity shop or, you know, putting it on eBay. Um, this is obviously going to be going internationally to help these people. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, Care for Calais obviously implies that that it, it, it's for the migrants who've made it as far as Calais, but I believe the yeah. charity actually has a much broader reach now. Yeah, absolutely. So they are. Um, it was originally set up to help people in in the camps in Calais, um, but now they're in various different places. So I think it's Dunk. There's loads of different places, but off my off the top of my head, I know they've got one in Dunk. They're helping people in Dunkirk, and they're also helping people that get to the UK um, and offering them direct aid. Um, but a lot of the problems in these camps is that um, police confiscate people's belongings. Um, so it, there's obviously a constant need to get stuff out there, basically. And um, if people can't make it on Saturday, um, what can they, they? Will you still be collecting? Is there still a way of contacting you and uh, and helping um, the appeal? Yeah, of course. So um, on all of our social medias, we're Women for Women Durham. Um, we've actually got a local contact in Durham who's coming to collect clothes from us. Um, so if people just contact us where, with their clothes um, and, you know, if we can come and get them to them or they can bring them to us um, and we can definitely sort something out with getting um, more stuff um, to where it's needed. I'm sure and in the future as well, we'll be having more similar events. So this isn't a one time thing. So do you I mean, you're obviously you're, you've explained that you're a new society in Durham. Um, do you have any plans of how you can take it forward and make it bigger and better and more effective and and sort of just have a bigger impact? Um, Our main plans for this year is collaborating with other societies who share a similar premise to our own. So we can reach more people, get the word out better. Um, And we're gonna do smaller events to raise money as well, but we want to do some larger events towards the end of the year that are aimed at the wider community. So our smaller events will probably be for those with a membership to the society but we do want to do one at the end of the year, maybe like an immersive art exhibition with like female artists or a festival with um, female musicians and things like that, which is obviously aimed at everyone, but we want the focus to be with women, obviously.
That was Emily and Sophie from Durham Women for Women International, which is a new uh, student organisation at Durham University. If you're listening to this after October the 9th, then obviously you've missed the clothes drop in Durham Marketplace, but they still want help with their appeals. So their details, their contact details are down below in the show notes. So go and have a look, find out if you can help too. Now, finally, for today, it's time to talk food. Street food with Alice. It's Alice Explores. Alice Explores. Hello, everybody. I am Alice. Um, I am part of the management team at Durham Indoor Markets. So we lurk in our office uh, at the just next to the toilets on the top floor of uh, the Indoor Markets next to Cafe Chino. Wonderful. I love the... We... Great. You know, bringing the toilets <laughs> into it. Great. So every month in, in the loop, Alice is going off exploring... I am, yes. And so it's either going to be things you know are coming up or things you've found that maybe you were taken by surprise by, new things in Durham. It is. It's going to be a bit of a mixture of everything because I am famously geographically inept. <laughs> so um, even though the fact that I've I've been born and brought up here all my life, there's still loads of things that take me by surprise. So it's going to be a bit of a, if there's anything to see, if there's anything to do, any kind of hidden gems. So it's just going to be um, exploring the lovely city centre and seeing what it has to offer, really. And in our first Alice Explores, Mm. it's something returning to the city centre. It is. After it's very overdue, it's lovely to have it back. Our full moon in Durham Marketplace is returning after a very long hiatus. Um, It's in the Marketplace. It's coming on uh, the 13th of October from four o'clock. It is our night street food street food market in the evening in the heart of durham it is indeed so it's when uh, when the weather's kind of now on the turn so it's all is getting all dark so there's going to be some live music there's going to be all sorts of different um independent um food food um businesses and it's just going to be lovely and there's just going to be so much, so much going on in the city centre, all sorts of different sights and sounds and smells. And it's on until nine o'clock at night. So people can come either from uni or from work so you can grab something to eat um, and just kind of see, see a couple of your local independent businesses and get some very good food while you're there. And the thing I, I, I'm going to give it a plug as well, because the thing you see, the first time I ever came to a full moon mm. street food market, brought my husband, who is an eternal cynic. And he thought it was fantastic, which is about the biggest, like, thumbs up you can get. Um, but it is the kind of thing where absolutely anybody feels welcome. Oh, so, definitely. You, you know, you'll see, you know, elderly couples coming. You'll see families with young children, dogs, dogs, loads of dogs. Oh, dogs, dogs are welcome. <laughs> loads of people out with their dogs. Students, obviously, colleagues coming after work. It, it's just something that ticks everybody's box, doesn't it? It is. I mean... It's one of the lovely things is because like food and music bring everybody together because, you know, uh, people can go. There's lots of different things. So there's often different cuisines for everybody. We have different music and entertainment. So you can come. You can come at the start of the night. So if you're just coming um, back off the school run, you can go and grab grab some food on your way back or after work or um, you can come for, you know, something to do on a night. And it's just it's got that lovely 
that lovely vibe and it's just it's accessible to everybody it's right in the heart so it's where everything is going on and it's just it's just got a lovely feel and we can't we just can't wait for it to come back and the date is the date is the 13th of october wednesday the 13th of october from 4pm till 9pm in Durham uh, Durham Marketplace well done Alice will continue exploring and we'll be back next month with more and that has it thank you for tuning in to In The Loop the Durham podcast with me, Emma Hignett. The show notes have all the links from all our guests in today's episode. Please spread the word. Please share this podcast and tell others. If you've you've enjoyed it, please tell others to have a listen. Give us a like and subscribe so that you can keep listening, keep hearing when there's another podcast released. A big thank you to City of Durham Parish Council for helping us to do this, to put on a podcast for the City of Durham. That's it for now. We'll be back in November with another episode of In The Loop. The Durham Podcast. In the Loop, the Durham Podcast. You're locked in a strange room. Time is against you. You need to get out, and there's only one way to do it. Have you got what it takes to discover the clues, solve the puzzles, and escape before the clock runs out? Then step into Escape Rooms Durham and see if you can unravel the mystery of Mr. Borrowdale's study or steal the formula in the lab heist. Escape Rooms Durham is the perfect challenge for families, friends, colleagues and birthdays. Find out more at escapedurham.co.uk Then come and escape from Escape Rooms Durham on Sadler Street in Durham City Centre.